Good morning, everybody. It's so good to see you all. So let's pray real quick. Father, I thank you so much that you are the one that opens our hearts. You are the one that opens our ears. And you are the one that fills us with your faith and your abundance. I thank you that all we do is sit and rest and listen to the truths that you have for us. We thank you, Father, for the plans that you have for our lives. They're always good. It's always full of your prosperity and your abundance. And we praise you for that. Amen. So the title of this message is Learning to Be Content. And I have been learning to be content. And I found that it's been by being consumed with the foolishness of the gospel. What does this foolishness tell us? It tells us that all we need is God. We don't need all the things that we've always thought we needed. We need God. We need his abundance, his love, his peace, his joy. And it's his delight to feed us those things and give us those things. As I've been being consumed with this gospel, I'm finding that I am becoming more and more content. My mind is more quieted. My heart is more and more at rest. And the last six months of my life has, have just opened my eyes and my heart to the power of the gospel that I've really not experienced before. And the reason that I hadn't experienced it before, it's not that God wasn't right there. It's not that God hasn't been pouring it into me all along. I've been saved since I was 25. But I had one foot in one realm and the other foot in the other realm. I wanted everything that God had for me, and I wanted everything that the world had for me. And you know what? The two are like oil and water. <laughs> They really don't mix very well. And what I discovered is, is that by trying to hold on to the things of the world so tightly, it was keeping me away from God. But I wasn't aware that that's what was going on, but that's what was happening. And it hasn't just been the last six months of my life that things have been changing. It's just that that's when the explosion happened. I've been hearing this message of the gospel and only the faith of the Son of God now for 11 years. 11 years. This contentment has been growing in me. It started with many explosions. Not, well, many also. M-A-N-Y and M-I-N-I. <laughs> Lots of little explosions. When I found out that I was righteous, I had been taught that all my Christian life, but nobody ever proved it to me. Nobody proved it to me through the word of God because I was taught the word of God with that mixture that I was talking about. Yes, you're the righteousness of God, but you have to confess your sins every day. Well, which is it? You can't have both. Either you're righteous or you're full of sin. And so... More and more of these contradictions were brought up over the last 11 years. And each time I heard one, 
I got a little bit more free, a little bit more free. I found out that God was never upset with me. That's a really big deal for me. I mean, my heart went to rest when I found out God isn't afraid when I'm weak. He made me weak. He wants to fill me with his strength. And I found out all the things that were keeping me away from God, afraid of God, cowering from God, they were all lies. And so it's been over 11 years. But the last six months when I hit a really big crisis, that's when the life of God just began to explode in me. And I found out what it's like to sit at that table in the presence of his enemies and find out that you have abundance and your cup runs over and you can't even explain how it happened, but you know it's nothing from this world. And you know it's gotta be coming from God because he's the only one that has that kind of light to give you. It has been an exciting vacation. <laughs> now the definition of vacation is an extended period of leisure and recreation especially one spent away from home or in traveling. Where did I go? I went into a realm that sits above cancer. It sits above fear. And it sits above all the things in this world. I went away from home in this earthly realm where I wanted this and I wanted that. And this had to be just right. And I know a lot of you ladies are going to know what I'm talking about. I had to have my house just right. Everything had to be where it needed to be. And especially I didn't want the counters in my kitchen to be cluttered. Otherwise, yeah, I'm getting some laughs. I knew that. <laughs> and if those things were not in order, I could not have peace. Did you hear that? I've got the Holy Spirit the God that created the whole universe living inside of me. And I could lose peace because things weren't just perfect in this world. So I went away from that home and I began resting in the power of sitting at God's right hand, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, all the things in this world that used to be able to torment me. What I've discovered is, is that I don't have to run from fear anymore. I don't have to be afraid of the things in this world. I have found that when fear comes, and it does, I'm not saying fear doesn't come, fear comes all the time. But when it comes and it grips me, I have an advocate. I have a personal comforter. You know how these people have personal valets and you think, ooh, ooh, ooh. we have a personal comforter. And you know, he doesn't sleep. He's awake all the time. And do you know what he wants to do? He wants to minister to you. That is his desire. And so when I find myself, when fear comes and grips at me, I can go right back to him and I'm set at perfect peace. And then I discovered that all the things that I've been afraid of, they've already been conquered. God already took care of them. He destroyed them through the death and resurrection of Jesus. We're going to do some talking about Paul today because um, Paul lived in this contentment 
and it's a pretty powerful thing. Before I, I talk about this scripture, I want to say something first so nobody misunderstands me. <clears throat> One of the things that pulls us out of contentment is we're so hard on ourselves. You know, we're always judging ourselves. And if everything isn't just right and just in order and we have perfect love and perfect peace and perfect joy and perfect everything else, we think there's something wrong with us. There's nothing wrong with us. The things of the world come at us. They can jar us. They can grip us with fear. But that's not who we are. That's not our identity. God has already taken care of those things. He's never upset with us, and he only comes to set us free from those things that are harming us. Okay, so this is Philippians 4, 11 through 13. Not, and this is Paul speaking, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Whew. Wow. That's a pretty amazing statement. Paul said that he had learned to be content no matter what his circumstances was. Now, that's pretty foolish to the carnal mind. Then he goes on to say, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. Everywhere and in all things. Those words mean everywhere and in all things. <laughs> I mean, we get so used to hearing it that sometimes we don't realize the power of what Paul is saying. He's saying he's always content. Doesn't matter if he's in a house or if he's on the road or if he's in a prison or if he's in a ship that's been wrecked. He's content. And he said that it was because he was instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. What was it that was instructing Paul? It was the faith of the Son of God. It was God's life. Who was instructing Paul? Abba. Abba. The same one that we have that loves us so much. That's our personal comforter. And this faith was with him everywhere he went and in all things that he experienced. This isn't a fragile contentment I'm talking about. Have you read about some of Paul's tribulations? It's a contentment that's only source is from God. It isn't a puny, grit your teeth, human willpower thing. I used to live there a lot. I was so afraid to be weak. I had been taught if I was weak that that would disappoint God and he would be unhappy with me. And so I, you know, fake it till you make it. <clears throat> I faked because you know what? I couldn't make it on my own. No matter how hard I tried to do it right and to, to do what I thought God was pleased with, that wasn't even his way. I was living in the wrong realm. Even though I was a Christian, I was still living in the serpent's belief system and didn't realize it. This very strong, strong faith 
is the faith that ministered to Jesus when he was on the cross. Think about that. This faith is what ministered to Jesus on the cross. It was the faith that enabled him to rest and have peace while he was on the cross. It was the faith that caused him to trust his father with his life. And it was the faith that raised him from the dead. When Paul was in tough situations and when he was abounding, he talked to God. He talked to God all the time. When he was in the tough situations and he talked to God about it, contentment would come to him. We can read about that in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 and 8. Paul says, For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. When we're in hard times, it's important to talk to God over and over. He doesn't get tired of hearing us. He never turns away and says, that's enough. As many times as we need to hear from God, that's how much we should be going to him. And even after you hear God, sometimes one time of hearing what he has to say isn't enough. Sometimes you got to hear it again and again. Your heart has to be persuaded. Sometimes he has a lot more things to tell us. And so as we go back to him over and over again, he'll take us deeper until he takes us to the place where that root is that's been bothering us and hurting us. And that's one of the most important things that I've heard in this church is that <clears throat> the carnal mind looks at the things on the surface. And lots of times uh, we can think that's what's the most important. God isn't looking on the outside. He sees the root. He sees where the real problem is. And he's going to talk to us and through us and in us until he gets to the root of what is hurting us. And then when you hear the truth about that, his life is right there. And it produces his love and his peace and joy. So we can take everything to God. I mean, Paul had people trying to kill him. I took my hair to God. Now, how important is hair compared to a hurricane or somebody needing a job? <clears throat> it's not a really big deal. But to me, it was a big deal. So it was a big deal to God. Is hair a big deal to God? He knows how many hairs are on each of your heads. Everything that is about us is important to him. And he wants to share his wisdom and his faith about everything. And he can take us from a place of zero contentment to a place of 100% contentment in two seconds flat. I wouldn't have believed it, but I believe it now. Because all he had to do was tell me when I was falling apart about my hair falling out, all he had to do was has, tell me, hasn't chemo been fun? Hasn't chemo been a blast? It has. And only because of God. But it has been a blast. And so he said, well, why don't you make your hair falling out fun too? 
that's not from this world. <laughs> but that was God's faith and wisdom to me. And in two seconds, I began planning this awesome harmony party where my family took turns shaving different parts of my head and we tried on wigs and we had a fashion show and everybody voted on which wig they liked the most. I had a grandson that offered to cut off his long curly locks and they were gonna get together and have a wig made for me. You know what? After I heard about the party, I never needed a wig again. It isn't important to me. It doesn't matter. And you know, about five years ago, <clears throat> my hair started falling out. I was a basket case. I was so upset I went and I bought uh, a couple of wigs then. <clears throat> I went to God over and over and over again. And you know what he told me? Don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, I am worried about it, God. Don't worry about it. I'm still worried about it, God. Don't worry about it. I think back to that now and I have to laugh because you know God saw everything today that he saw back then and he knew I wasn't going to be worried about it. <laughs> and he knew it was going to be his life that produced it. But you know my way? I worried for five years. Yep, that's what I did. I worried and I fretted about it. But God's life was there all along telling me there was no need to do it. He had it covered already. So back to Paul. Paul talked to God three times about this situation that he wanted freedom from. People were always trying to kill him, stone him, shut him up so he wouldn't preach the gospel. That's a much bigger deal than me losing my hair, right? But God talked to Paul about what he was going through. And God talked to me about what I was going through. This is God's response to Paul. My grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, that means joy. Therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Wow. So God's talking to Paul, and he's telling Paul a lot of things. He's saying, Paul, I've got this. I'm enough for you. I think that's the biggest thing that I have learned in the last six months. God is enough for me. He is all I need. He is all I need. I don't even need a healing. I got the healing. I got God. And not only do I have him, because you know I've had him in me since I was 25 years old. But now I know it. Now it's filled me up. And I'm living by the faith of the Son of God instead of by my own efforts. And that opened the door so that I could experience this. All I need is God. So the things that come at me don't have the same power to reduce me to a puddle of tears like they used to. Then God tells Paul that God's strength is made perfect when Paul is weak. 
You know, that's one of the things we're afraid of. We're afraid of being weak, looking weak, feeling weak. God took care of that for Paul. He said, I will be your strength. And not only will I be your strength, but my strength is made perfect. Can you imagine God's perfect strength in your weakness? Here it is. Love, joy, and peace beyond what I could ever imagine, no matter what circumstances I'm going through. That's what it looks like. It's an amazing thing. And then, which has happened to me also, Paul got infused with God's joy. How does that happen? People are out trying to kill him, and Paul is filled with joy. And he said he was filled with so much joy that he gloried in his infirmity. <laughs> wow. That word glory, it means to boast. It means joy, rejoice, to vaunt. I think I said that right. Vaunt. To vaunt means to boast or praise about something excessively. <laughs> Not just a little bit, y'all, excessively. You know, I was kind of a quiet person before all this started happening. I'm not quiet anymore. I want to talk to everybody. I want, to, I want you to know how great chemo can be. I want you to know how much fun you can have when you let God get in the middle of your circumstances and you're hearing his faith instead of the things that normally come. They did come to me. They came to me for a long, long, long time. But I got to the place where I went to God night after night after night until I started hearing from him. And I really started hearing from him when he washed down and got to the root of the fear that was in my heart. And when he took care of that, I was able to receive the fullness of what he had for me. So Paul says, therefore, I take pleasure that means to think well of, approve, think good, to have pleasure in infirmities. I never believed that was true, but I'm experiencing it. That's what I'm living. I am filled with so much joy, and it's a pleasure. I look forward to every Wednesday <laughs> and chemo. I don't think I've laughed so much except at that place. But that place taught me, well, God taught me in that place that I could rejoice in all things and I could make everything fun in him. And he would make a way for that to happen. So Paul took pleasure in his infirmities. That word infirmity means feebleness of mind or body, frailty or weakness. So he took pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, insults, injury and harm, in necessities, which is constraint, restrictions, limitations, persecutions, and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. What is he saying? When he is in any of those situations and he's weak, 
he does the one thing that's needful, the only thing that's needful. He goes to God, and God's strength comes, and he's filled up not with Paul's strength. He's filled up with God's strength. He's filled up with God's love, with God's joy, with God's peace. So chemo became an opportunity for God's joy to replace my weakness. Losing my hair and having the party was an opportunity to laugh and have a very good time in what a month before that I thought was horrible circumstances. It is the exact same contentment that I had when I got the cancer diagnosis. And I said this the last time I spoke. I thought I was going to have to console the doctor because he was really upset. And I was just peaceful and calm because I didn't need to be well to have God's life. And by that time, I already knew it. Now, where I used to live, I wanted God's strength. Because, you know, you can want God's strength and you can want it the way you want it. <laughs> you want it to manifest the way you want it to manifest. Did his strength produce hair on my head? Nope. Did it change the diagnosis? Nope. His strength didn't produce anything in the material world, which is where I had been living for so long. But his strength produced much greater. His strength produced much greater. My hair is no longer important to me. I wasn't afraid of sickness. My heart had been changed. Fear was what was at the root in my heart. Fear of death. Fear of any kind of lack, really. Because I believed that that meant somehow God wasn't with me, he wasn't for me, or I had disappointed God so he wouldn't give me what I wanted. That was the real problem. That's what God taught Paul. When you're weak, I will be strong for you. Paul didn't come up with that on his own. That was a teaching from God, and it gave him the contentment that he had even in extreme tribulation. We'll go look at some more things that God told Paul. Remember I said that as we go to God over and over and over, God will tell us more and more and more if we need to hear it. <laughs> Paul says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. We've all heard these scriptures. We all know them inside and out. But let's this morning, let's let the faith of the Son of God fill us up with the revelation that is being poured out to us and was poured out to Paul so that when we hear God talking to us, we can be filled with that life also. The faith of the Son of God taught Paul that his affliction was light. Do you agree that his affliction was light? <laughs> Have you read those scriptures? Shipwrecked, prison, beating, stoned, light affliction. 
That's amazing in itself. The faith of the Son of God reduced Paul's persecutions to a light affliction. That word light, it means easy, <laughs> least in size, and tiny. And that's what I have found out about cancer. It's a very light affliction. Light, easy, small in size, tiny. The next thing Paul heard was, it was only for a moment. <laughs> Did you get that? Now that's a stretch, <laughs> especially a stretch for the carnal mind. But God was saying, Paul, this is just for a moment. This is temporary. I know I heard Greg a little bit this morning. Why did it come? It came to pass. If we have our attention and let God's faith fill us up, we're going to have our mind more on it came to pass than it came to me. So it was dying. It was leaving. You know, cancer kills itself. <laughs> Think about it. Cancer kills itself. It's on its way out. And then Paul saw the more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. That's what, not only did God reduce what he was going through to nothing, but God showed him eternity. God showed him glory. And that was a much bigger deal for Paul. Eternity became Paul's focus and the temporary became unimportant. And um, that little phrase, eternal weight of glory, the word weight means abundance, a load. Not just a little bit of glory, an abundance, a full load of glory. This is what I have found. Uh, it's in Hebrews 13, 5. It says, let your conversation be without covetousness. That means wanting things that you don't have, that you think will give you life, but they won't. And be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Did you catch where contentment comes from? It comes from God's presence. Not from a car or a house or new clothes. And I'm not saying that those things can't be enjoyed. They can. But what I found is, is when you're always going after it and you're going after those things to grip you because you think you need them for life, you can't even enjoy them when you have them because they can't give you life. So the thing that you thought you were going to get from it, it can't give you. It gives you disappointment. How many times do we buy something? What do they call it? Buyer's remorse. <laughs> it's going to just fill that big old void in my heart. And the next day, you're sorry you got it. Then you're going to go stand in a line and return it. <laughs> Our contentment comes from his presence. But we don't experience it unless we're going to God when we don't feel contentment and we let him speak to that discontent in our hearts. That's what he wants to do. And we're going to think that our discontent is because 
I didn't get that pot that I wanted. God knows the real discontent. It's way down in our heart at the root of something. And he knows how to go to that place and heal that place in our hearts. So God has filled my heart with his presence so that I've lost a lot of my desire for the things of this world. I want him and I need him and I know he's enough for me now. I want to read something from um, the faith translation, the epistles of Paul to the Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. Um, John Fazio <laughs> is the one that uh, wrote this. And this little book, this little book and also the ones revealing Abba in the Psalms, it just echoed more what we hear every Sunday and every Wednesday and you guys every Monday and us women when we have our Bible studies. It echoes it. It's helped me so much be able to read the Bible and uh, not uh, read it in a carnal way. And this is Philippians 1.20. And according to my confident expectation and certainty of the life revealed in Christ Jesus. So the life of Jesus was revealed in a certainty to Paul which is my hope, that was his hope, so that in nothing will I be ashamed, but will continue with all boldness to declare the gospel, where in Christ will be magnified in my body, whether it be by his life or my death. Wow. Do you see how death, is just reduced to this little bitty thing there. That's what happened in me, just reduced to nothing. And then in verse 21, it says, because for me to live in the flesh is to live having Christ's life in me. Wow, that makes living here a lot of fun. It means you're no longer living by your own carnal desires and carnal thinking. It means that you're living by the faith of the Son of God now. And to die and be with Christ is gain. You know what that says? We can't lose. We can't lose. Winning, winning, winning. What is that? Winning. Not losing. Winning. So... There's no need for fear to be allowed to continue to minister to us when we have this personal comforter that wants to always feed us the faith of Son of God so that we're not in fear. So Paul had God's life revealed to him, and God's life had become his hope. And that hope doesn't mean I'm wishing and um, I'm hoping I'm going to get it. It was a certain expectation, a knowledge that he had it. It produced a boldness in him. It took away shame. We, we get ashamed of so many things so easily. I can remember um, 
just a few weeks ago. Ever since God spoke to me about the hair party, I lost all shame about losing my hair. But then I went to my granddaughter's volleyball game <laughs> in a gym full of all these young teenage girls just beaming with hairspray and <laughs> ribbons and <laughs> all these hairdos. And you know, you watch them because I've watched them. Everybody that walks in that gym, they all turn that way and they all eye them from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet. And you can just imagine what they're thinking. And I thought, well, I don't care. I don't care, so I am not wearing that wig. It is uncomfortable. Well, then as I got to walk in the door, remember I said God gets to the root of things, I realized I didn't care about what all those people in the gym cared about. I cared about what my granddaughter might think. I didn't want to be an embarrassment to her. I didn't want her to be ashamed of me. And so shame tried to come on me. And I said, you know, no, I have received too much life from God. I'm walking in that gym. Walked in that gym and my little granddaughter, her face just beamed. She has the most beautiful smile. And she was so excited that I was there. She wasn't ashamed of me. God isn't ashamed of me. Just like what, what she thought of me mattered the most out of all those people, what God thinks of us matters the most. God wants to take us to the place, that root deep in our hearts so that we don't care what other people think of us because we know what God thinks of us. And if we haven't taken the time to let him get to that root, he's never going to stop. He's going to keep telling us how wonderful we are to him until that's all that matters and we're filled up with that. So what I began to find out, well, before I say that, let me say this first. When Matt preached for the first time, God spoke to me and said that he was going to sanctify his name in my body. That really excited me. But the most amazing part of it was I had been healed in my heart to such a deep extent that I didn't think necessarily that that meant physical healing. It didn't matter. How does that happen? And you know, these things happened in me, but a lot of it I, I wasn't aware until I would get to these different situations. And I would go, well, where did all that, where did that stuff go? Why, why, I mean, you all, well, Greg knows and a few people know, but know. you know, <laughs> healing was number one. Not only was it number one, it was proof of whether God loved you or not. It had taken a place of idolatry in my heart. And God saw that that was hurting me. Not only was it hurting me, it was hurting my relationship with him. Because it wasn't just me. If anybody didn't get healed that I prayed for, it 
put a little bit of doubt in my heart about God. It was something that the serpent's belief system could use to mar God's image in my heart. That was where the real pain was coming from. And so all that mattered to me was that God's name would be sanctified in my body. And it didn't matter which way it goes. I'm still there. And I tell you, that has produced so much joy in me because the thing that had gripped me so tight for so long is gone. It's just not there anymore. Do you all remember who I am? Or at least who I used to be? Yes. I'm the girl that wouldn't watch any TV show if anybody died in it because I couldn't stand to see death. Even in a pretend story of people that I don't know. And they didn't die. <laughs> it was a TV show. But it would reduce me to despair for days after seeing it. All I knew is that's not normal. <laughs> but I didn't know the root of it. But you know what? How many people say, I'll sign up for pain? No. So I didn't watch those shows. I ran from them. And I wouldn't watch them. And I missed out on a lot of good TV shows, but it wasn't <laughs> worth it. And that's what happens when you feel like you have to preserve your own life. You have to keep your heart. And you can't. You can't do it. So I no longer live by the fear of death. The life that I live in this fleshy body, I'm living by the faith of the Son of God. I've been crucified with Christ. I'm dead. And my life is hid with Christ in God. And knowing that as a certainty has produced so much love and joy in me. Philippians 1.21, I'm going to read this again, and it's also in John Fazio's book. Because for me to live in the flesh is to live having Christ's life in me. So I can stay alive in this mortal body and continue living by the faith of the Son of God, which is glorious. Sometimes I get so full of God's life, I feel like I'm going to pop because it feels like my body can't contain it. Or my mortal body can die and be with Christ, which is gain. The thing that I've been fearing all these years, Paul calls it gain. Something that is mortal anyway. It is passing away. It is decaying. It is temporary, and it is on its way out because it's going to be replaced by something much greater. It's going to be replaced by immortality and glory. So this thing called death, and I'm talking right now about the mortal body. Well, God con conquered it, all of it, but God's already conquered it. For me, 
It was a terrible fear. Now, for a lot of people, it might not be a fear to them, but we all have fear of some kind. And God knows what it is, and God wants to set us free from it. So God took away the spirit of fear, and he gave me a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. Listen to what sound mind means. To discipline or correct. That is the same thing as instructing, and instructing with what? The faith of the Son of God. So we get a sound mind from the faith of the Son of God. That sounds like the mind of Christ to me. So as the carnal mind is dealt with, we have the mind of Christ. It also means to save and deliver, protect and heal, preserve and make whole. That's what the faith of the Son of God does for us. Now, when I used to read those things, I thought, there we go. There's the scripture. I can prove it. He's going to save me from all tribulation. Didn't it just say that? Yes, it did. Going to preserve me, protect me, heal me, and make me whole. He didn't promise that he would protect us from all tribulation. Did he? No. <laughs> Such a loud response in this room. <laughs> he said, you're going to have tribulation in this fallen world. But be of good cheer because I've overcome it. This is what overcoming it looks like. You can be in the tribulation. And what, what is that scripture? You go through the fire, but the smell of smoke isn't even on you. Well, then going through the fire isn't so bad, is it? I mean, if you don't even have the smell of smoke. And so God takes our minds that are filled with fear in the carnal realm. And he fills our minds with his faith, which fills us to such an abundance that we are full of cheer in the tribulation. So then the tribulation is no longer a fearful thing. So what were all those things that God was talking about that he preserves us from and he protects us from? the lies in the carnal mind. He protects us and heals us from those things. Fear, fear of lack, fear of death, fear of things that God has already conquered for us. So God saves us from all forms of death. And when we think of the word death, not so much in this church, I think we've really been taught a lot of truth here, but for most people, death means the, the body, the mortal body is dying. But death is anything that isn't life from God. So there's all forms of death. Lack is a form of death. Fear is a form of death. So Isaiah 55, 2 says, Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your earnings for what does not satisfy if we believe that we need the things in this world to go right, we're going to have a real hard time being content. Do you know how many things go wrong <laughs> in a single day? So that means that your life is going to be like a yo-yo. 
if you think that you need the things in this world to go right, to be content, then you're going to have a lot of, maybe not a lot of contentment, <laughs> but you're going to have some contentment and you're going to have some discontent. The world can't bring us contentment anyway. So even if you get what you think you wanted, that you needed for life, it's not going to give you what your heart really wants. And it's amazing. God sees that. We're blinded sometimes, and we don't see what our hearts really want. But God knows. And he knows that the things of this world will not satisfy us. And that is not what we want. The faith of the Son of God comes to persuade our hearts so we can stop spending our efforts to gain the things of this world for life. He comes to show us that they're there and we can enjoy them, but they're fleeting and they're temporary and they're not able to give us the real love and joy and peace that we're looking for. God says in Isaiah 55, Hearken diligently to me. Don't seek after all these things in the world that can't satisfy you and can't give you what you want. Hearken diligently to me. <clears throat> that means hear and keep hearing. How long have we been hearing that? 11 years. Hear and keep hearing. Keep hearing what? The faith of the Son of God. Keep hearing what God has to say and eat what is good and let your soul delight in fatness. And that word fatness means abundance to satisfy. What are the good things that God's talking about there? It's not abundance of the things in this world. It's not a car, a house, promotion, perfect weight, hair. No, those things can't satisfy us. We can think they will. And then we get them, and they might make us happy for a little while, but something's going to come along the way that it can just blow that happiness away from you in two seconds. They can't satisfy us because they're temporary. They vanish quickly, and they do not meet the needs in our heart. There's a contradiction to the gospel that I want to mention again. It came in the garden with the serpent. He came to tell us that God was not good and that he wouldn't take care of us. It came and said that we could get life for ourselves, the life that we wanted. And we didn't need the life that God had for us because he wasn't a good God. That contradiction said that God fails us. And to some extent, I think that needs to be dealt with in all of our hearts. And I think that sometimes that's one of those deep roots that God wants to come and heal. This contradiction tells us that God's life isn't powerful. It can't give us the love and the joy and the peace that we want when we have negative circumstances. It tries to make us think that God's life is bound by the fallen world and that the power in the fallen world is stronger than the power of God. 
We're talking about the God that created the whole universe. He brought a three-day dead man out of the grave and clothed him with immortality. He's proven to us that he can beat mortality. He has already beaten the things of this fallen world. His life, his faith is more powerful and greater than any circumstance that this world can throw at you, cancers included. Power isn't the problem. The power is the carnal mind can't comprehend God's power or how it works. The carnal mind needs to be dealt with, but not by us. Good news, not by us. It's a work done by God to free us from the thing that's hard of harming us. The carnal mind clogs up the life of God so that we have a hard time experiencing it. Galatians 5.4 says, Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. Paul's not saying that they lost their salvation. It just meant that the grace of God couldn't have its full effect in them because their carnal mind was interfering with it. The world does offer us a counterfeit to God's life. It tries to produce the life of God. It also tries to reduce the value and power of God's life. For instance, how many of us have said, I love ice cream? I have many times. Is that really the power of love? Does that statement tell us so that we can understand the power of what love really is? There's nothing wrong with saying that, but it's just that that word love means something very different. I mean, God is love, right? Strongest power there is. Well, what I have found out is I don't want the kind of love that comes with ice cream. I want God's length and depth and breath and height. I want his kind of love that washes over me and reduces me to a puddle of tears. I want the kind of peace that passes all understanding, that cancer can't touch. I want the kind of joy that only his presence can bring. <laughs> I can have my ice cream and eat it too. <laughs> so I was brought up in the gospel. I was told the gospel, but I misinterpreted it. And I wasn't told the gospel like we hear it now. You know, there was if you don't confess your sins, you know, God's going to, he's going to roast you. <laughs> so it, there was some fear, but the pastor that I went and saw, I was in the middle of a nervous breakdown. I had a lot of problems in my life. I was getting ready to go into a mental hospital. My husband was going to divorce me. I was going to lose our kids. So I went and I saw this pastor and I poured out all my woes to him. And he told me, he said, 
if you accept what Jesus did for you on the cross and let him wash away your sins. He's going to wash away all your sins and he's going to heal your marriage and he's going to heal your mind and he's going to heal your body. And you know what? In two hours, it all happened. My marriage got healed. My mind got healed. My body got healed. And I knew my sins were gone. It was amazing, powerful. But you know what? That little bitty seed that wasn't from God also got planted. My carnal mind heard, every time I have a problem, I go to God, and guess what? He's going to fix it. He's going to take away all those problems. And so I lived the majority of my Christian life feeling betrayed by God that why didn't he do it here? He did it then. Why didn't he take care of everything here? And, you know, a lot of things in this fallen world aren't taken care of the way that we might want them to be. And so I had a lot of problems with God. It made for a very volatile relationship. I would throw a fit with him, which that's what I suggest. Throw a fit. He's not afraid of our fits. But then I also sometimes would withdraw from him. I felt betrayed and that I couldn't trust him. That was really rough. So for the most of my Christian life, that's how my relationship with God was. Then I came here and I started finding out more and more and more that God is better than I ever knew. God is better than I ever knew. And then I hit that <coughs> pivotal place, I think it was 2015, when Greg preached Hope on the Slippery Slope. That was a crisis moment for me. It was a huge crisis because it exposed the lie that I wanted to believe that God would take care of everything here on this earth the way I wanted it taken care of. And so I ran from God for a few years after that, really. And then in 2022, I realized I was sick. And I cried out to God in fear for a month. Fear that he had betrayed me again. Remember I said he goes down to the root? Man, he was going down for the thing that he knew was destroying my life. And I just poured out my fear. I didn't want to go to the doctor. I wanted to be healed. I wanted God to heal my body. I knew what I wanted, and I wanted it right then. Have you ever felt like that? Oh, yeah. yeah. So on the 30th night, my heart began to emerge with words that astounded me. All of a sudden, all that stuff, God had reached and healed it. I wasn't crying out for my body to be healed. All I wanted to know was that God was with me, no matter how it turned out, and that he had not betrayed me. I just wanted to know that he loved me. And I don't mean God loves me. I mean the length and depth and height and breadth of his love filling me up. And that, yeah, right? And I wanted to know that God was more than enough for me and that he was all that mattered. That was when fear left my heart. 
fear of death, fear of dying, fear of doctors, fear of medicine, <clears throat> fear of God not loving me. And I was flooded with love and joy and peace. It wasn't from carnal relief. And that's something else I've learned. There's a love and a joy and a peace that this world does offer. I want to say it's fake. It's very temporary. And God's love and peace and joy is nothing like what the world gets. It is so beyond what we can imagine until we begin experiencing it. So I realized that all I needed was God. I didn't need to be healed. Sickness didn't have the power to squash God's life out of me. So there's a worldly love. There's a worldly peace that says I can have peace if everything goes my way. I can be happy if everything works out the way I want it to. But you know, Paul describes all of that as dung. It's dung, especially when we're relying on it for life. It's not God's love. It's not God's peace, and it's not God's joy. I want the peace that the world can't wash away. I want the love that can't be overcome. I want the joy that erupts in God's presence, no matter what's going on in my life. I want the joy that Paul had when he was in prison. I want the revelation that Stephen had when he was being stoned. And I want the love flowing to me and out of me that Jesus had when he was on the cross. I don't want the world as my source of life. That is contentment. Contentment is being at rest in God. And God is more real to you than anything that's going on in the world. And so you're not striving you know you have everything you need. Okay, I'm just going to go a few more minutes. I want to talk about being content with yourself. Because we can talk about being content with the world and how things are going and being content with God. What about being content with ourselves? This is part of this little journey and vacation that I've been on. I'm learning to become content with myself. It doesn't matter whether I have hair or not. It doesn't matter. That doesn't say who I am or who I not am. I am content. We, God wants to get us. I don't want to say it that way. God wants to fill our hearts with so much truth that we're content with who we are, how we look, our behavior, don't we get on ourselves when we feel like we've done something wrong and we judge ourselves? God wants us free from that. He wants us to be so focused on how wonderful we are because that's the real truth, that those things just don't have the power to harm and hurt our hearts anymore. And remember, learning to be content isn't about what we're going to do. If we try to be content, we're going to become less contented. It's only a work that God can do. And he does it as we listen to the truth. We need to let God show us that we can be weak 
and still be contented. That's a big one, I know, for me. That doesn't mean that we lack. And that's what we believe. We believe when we're weak that we lack. Lacking just means that the strength doesn't come from us. And it means that we have a greater one that wants to provide us with the strength. So we were not created to have strength in ourselves. We were created to have and live in God's strength. So I want to tell you a funny story that happened this past week. Uh, lots of times when I'm getting ready to preach, something funny or unusual happens during the week to bring it to full view for me. So one of the things that I wanted to mention was that you can have contentment and feel like everything is amazing and great. And then some other thing in another area happens and your contentment level, yeah, you laughing, goes from 100% to zero in one second flat. So I am enjoying this contentment and the peace that I have. What is it? Four and a half months now. I am so full of love and joy and peace. It's like it bubbles out. I don't even know what to do with it. Well, this week I got on Facebook. And I was trying to figure out, I am very not techie smart. I mean, my TV remote is a challenge to me. And so I was trying to figure out how to get a picture on Facebook in Messenger to a friend of mine. And I remember my granddaughter telling me something. So I was trying to do them. And I'm click, I thought I remembered something about photos or pictures. So I'm clicking on pictures here and there. Hmm. I didn't find anything. And then there was this other button that I hadn't noticed before, and it said click all pictures or something like that. And I clicked that. My best description of it was light porn. And I was so devastated. And I thought, is this what people are seeing when they go to my Facebook page? They are seeing these awful pictures. I was so upset contentment to nothing. All of a sudden, this problem was number one. It was the biggest problem in the whole world. And it felt like it had the power to override this joy and peace that I had with the cancer. But you know, I didn't care because it was now that's the biggest problem and I've got to take care of it. Well, I called Cindy and I told her, please tell me what to do. You know, I don't know what to do. I don't want people seeing this. And, and so she says, well, let me check on your, your page, which thank you that you were willing to risk <laughs> what you were going to see. So she looks, and you know what? It wasn't on my Facebook page. In one second flat again, instant relief. Everything's okay. She says, I don't know what you clicked on, but that is not on your Facebook page. And she checked a couple of times to be sure. <laughs> so, <laughs> what happened was I heard the truth. The truth was that the pictures were not on my Facebook page. It was the truth that brought me from that high level of lack. 
shame, distress. What must people think about me? Here I am, a woman of God, and look at what's on my Facebook page. Oh, it was horrible. But God showed me it was the truth that set me free. And he said the same thing is true about all the other lies in our heart where we believe we lack. All the other lies that make us think we need this or this or this in the world. He said, when we hear the truth, contentment will come just like it did for me with that Facebook problem. Instant. It was instant. When the truth gets in our hearts at that root place, that's when we experience that abundance that it talks about where we can sit in the presence of our enemies and our cup overflow. God sets a table for us. It doesn't matter if it's cancer. It doesn't matter if you just broke a fingernail. It doesn't matter if you got a flat tire. Doesn't matter if you're buying a house and the deal fell through. God's light is more powerful than any of those things. And when he gets to that lie and he replaces it with his truth, what you experience is the fullness of his love and his joy and his peace. I want to close with, um, I read this the last time I preached because it has ministered to my heart so much. I actually read it every day. Um, when I first read it, I read it as this is what I want. This is what I want in my life. But now I'm reading it from a place of this is what I have in my life. And any place that crops up like the Facebook experience <laughs> where I think I don't have something I need for life, God is going to speak to that until I'm at perfect peace again. So this is a post that uh, Greg put on Facebook. It talks about the goodness of God. And that's really what this message is about. God is so good. He is so big. He loves you so much that there is nothing in this world that he can't overcome with who he is and his life. Sometimes circumstances do change. A lot of times circumstances do change, but it isn't needed for us to have his life and the fullness of it. So this is what Greg was talking to God and what he said, wouldn't it be like you, God, to be different than we thought, different than we want, but better? It makes me wanna cry thinking about all the years with God and what I wanted and how I was so sure that what I wanted was what I needed. That's where I've been. And how I even hated him for not giving me what I wanted because I knew it was what I needed. That's been me. I thank God that he loved me more than he loved himself. He loved my life more than he loved feeling good about himself me liking him because he gave me what I wanted. Everything that I thought I needed, everything that I thought I wanted was full of corruption and vainglory. 
And that's what I found out. Those things had no ability to give me life. And God loved me enough to let me be angry with him and nail him to a tree every day until I finally saw. He was different than I thought, different than I wanted. And then I realized, but he's better. Lord, I don't want anything but eternal life. I don't want anything but your peace and love and joy. Not the love and peace and joy that the world gives. Everything that I've ever wanted is found in you. That's where God wants to take us. So that we know that everything our hearts really want is found only in him. I became persuaded that all I really wanted was comfort. And that if I actually felt comforted, I wouldn't want anything else anymore. Everything I desired was from the place of not feeling comforted, and I thought these things would comfort me if I could just get them. But then God called forth heaven inside of me through the revelation of the man Jesus Christ. And what happened was heaven and earth collided in me, and I began to see the comfort I long for is only in the hand of the Father. That's what happened inside of me on that 30th night of crying out to God. My heart was moved from wanting the things of this world for comfort to the things of God. And I didn't move my heart because I can't move my heart. You can't move your heart. Only God can do that. Blessed are those who mourn. And I began, this is Greg, and I began calling upon the name of the Father in the midst of my affliction. And every time I become afflicted, and here's the key, every time I become afflicted, I began fellowshipping with the suffering of Jesus when he was nailed to the tree. What I mean by that is I began fellowshipping with the faith that came to Jesus in his heart that the comfort I needed in my affliction was not found in this body or anything in this world, but it was found in Abba. And what happened is I gave up the ghost. And that's what happened on that 30th night. I finally gave up wanting something from this world to help me and to be my strength. I let it all go and only desired what God had for me. The only love that I need comes from the life of Abba. The only peace that I need comes from Abba. The only joy that I need comes from Abba. Nothing else can satisfy my heart and nothing else can satisfy your heart either. Father, I thank you for the awesomeness of who you are that you don't mind our fits and our crying. All you want to do is help us through the hurt and the pain. I thank you that you see into each one of our hearts and you know the thing that's hurting us. And you are faithful day after day, night after night to get us to the place where you can persuade our hearts that you are all we need. And I thank you for that truth, Father, that you are all we need. Amen.